Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the Premier League Podcast here on FanRag Sports. My name is Sebastian Noren, with me as always is Polly Questel. Uh, no Elliot today, he's uh, out and about in the Japanese mountains, so uh, he does have internet. He said it was a little bit loud, so no Elliot today though. I'm impressed they have good internet connection in the Japanese mountains. It's Japan, that thing just flows with technology. They, ju- they just have internet everywhere. It's, yeah, it's Japan. Yeah. They're the ones that, like, they get technology, like, way before we do. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, you, 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 ever fig- you ever notice that, like, new features come to, like, the Samsung phones, and then they come to the iPhone two years later? Yeah, but Samsung's Korean, though. Either, it's, it's the analogy that I'm going Okay, for. okay, okay. Yep. They're closer to home base, sort of speak, <laughs> where everything is made, which is China. Um. So yes, so no Elliot, uh, me and Polly, we'll talk about the Champions League final coming up here, and we'll also discuss uh, the U.S. men's national team as they take on Venezuela in a friendly here over the weekend too, and then when we talk to you again on, I'm guessing, Monday, then we'll get into the very important World Cup qualifiers for USA. Um. But first and foremost, let's do a couple of quick newsies, newsies, headlines, newsies. Uh, Arsene Wenger, the uh, deal with Arsenal is now official. He will stay on for two more years. And Paulie is happy. A lot of Arsenal fans are sad. So all in all, pretty good day, right, Paulie? Yeah, it's also weird to actually, like, like give your manager who has been the manager for 20 years a contract extension and like most of the fan base not be happy about it yeah that is strange <laughs> it is strange and I honestly I don't know if it's really it's of course it's partly Wenger's fault that Arsenal has sort of slipped behind here and they haven't really been a you know bona fide title contender here for the last numerous years but at the same time, I don't feel like he's he's promoting a fairly watchable brand of football. Like I'm, I'm, I'm rarely bored when I watch Arsenal play. Right, they've always played well. They've always played fun. It's just that they haven't had. Well, they might have had the resources, but they haven't been as loose with their money as other teams have, and basically bought success. Well, I mean, he's Arsene Wenger's always had the same outlook as Sir Alex Ferguson in that he was looking for value mm-hmm. in the transfer market. He didn't just want to spend a lot of money on on certain things. Now, he did that sometimes, as Arsenal have done that sometimes. But he was really, you know, they want to look for the the Javier Hernandez for £6 million, the Nemanja Vidic for like £6.5 million. That's what you want to do. Now, it's, it's hard to find those. Now, they're out there. They're out there every year. Like Angolo Conte to Leicester, Real Mares to Leicester. If you look hard enough, they're out there. But you know, every so often, um, every so often, Fergie broke the bank to sign players because you need to do that every so often just to stay competitive, which Arsenal did with with Ozil and Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Now, what else you have to do is you need to. Fergie benefited from the fact that he, you know, had a homegrown development pipeline of of Neville and of of skulls and gigs and you know say what you want maybe 
17 million dollars 17 million pounds is a lot of money for a teenager but for cristiano ronaldo that's value oh yeah you know he he's only 17 years old 35 million for wayne rooney that that's more than paid for for itself so there's there's value there so what he what he did was he kept he kept finding younger players to supplement players to stay relevant and then every so often he said well i now need to throw money at dimitar berbatov or something Wenger's doing the same thing. It's just that the pipeline kind of dried up. Mm. He he came in. He it changed Arsenal around. He won the Premier League a bunch of times or three times. He really built a successful squad. Then he had the issue with where Arsenal did have a financial issue. So he had to sell players. And what allowed him to stay competitive was he had great young players coming in. He had... Um, what he uh, who did he have? He had Cesc Fabregas. He had Robin Van Persie. He had Emmanuel Adebayor had a thirty goal season for him. Uh, Nicholas Bentner had a thirty goal season for him. Um, that is crazy. But that helped them stay relevant, you know. Oh, yeah. Like and and but and Wenger was smart enough not to, you know, he didn't just say like, oh well, Bentner scored thirty goals, like we don't need anybody else. No, like he went and got Adebayor. He got other help because he knew that that couldn't happened did he get enough good strikers no but you know he also he had his Theo Walcott come in he the Nielsen had a great year for them one year um th- you know then he went out and got Mikel Arteta that was a very good value buy mm-hmm. but eventually that dried up you know Samir Nasri wanted to leave that led to Fabregas and that led to Van Persie leaving and he was just never able to take the next step with them because that team always seemed to be missing the one not value mm-hmm. player around. Like, you know, spend your money, spend too much money on on a certain player. You yeah. know, and again, spend it, spend it, it comes, wisely, you know. And I, I right, think but like it, what it always comes down to is is like, you know, when, when people want to say like ninety million for Paul Pogba, and that's ridiculous. And my response, as I've said many times on this on the show, not my money. And you know what? The money ultimately doesn't come out of Wenger, out of Wenger's pocket. So if he had the green light to sell, to buy, and he just wanted to sit there and go, you know, I'm looking for value. So that, you know, maybe, you know, he was looking for value because he wanted ownership to trust him. And if he whiffs on a big money signing, then they won't give him the money again. But either way, it just, you know, it's not your money, Arsene. If you had the green light, he never took it. Yeah, and, and I I'm, think that is what frustrates people. Yeah, and they they were sort of in the same sits as Tottenham, where they were not paying anyone really super big money either, and that's why right. you saw a lot of people or a lot of players leave. And he's always prided himself of running the club, you know, in a you know quote unquote economical way, so that they always make money. And so, I, even though it's not his money, he I feel like he plays it a little, a little too safe at times. Because you, yeah. you, you got to spend some money on some players and you got to pay your best players a big enough salary so they're not, you know, at, as soon as a Manchester United or a Barcelona Real Madrid comes with the big fat checkbook that you have some sort of, well, you're making good money here. You might as well stay. So Right. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in the summer. I mean, they definitely need to keep Sanchez and Ozil, and then they need to bring in more players. 
They need to bring in players that go straight into the starting lineup and elevates this team if they're going to make it back into the top four because that's going to be the the first goal. Year one here with our with Wenger since his or, you know, or year twenty two. Um, you know, it's going to be first and foremost get that fourth spot or third spot or second spot, whatever. Get it back into the top four, make it back to the Champions League, and then his final year, hopefully you can contend for the title. But don't, yeah, don't, yes. yeah, don't expect him to go and blow the bank now and try to make him into a title contender because I just don't see Wenger going all bananas after being fiscally responsible for 21 years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. Mm. Another interesting piece of news here. Darren Fletcher will join Stoke when his contract with West Brom ends in, in the summer. Sort of an, I feel like it's sort of an odd move. Why is he going no, to Stoke? No, it makes sense. Because uh, Stoke offered him money. Yeah, yeah, want, yeah, they wanted him. that veteran leadership. Stoke don't really have a, a formidable midfield. And True. And if you let him, if you let Darren Fletcher get forward, which I'm sure Tony Pulis never did, he's very good with his head. Like, very good in the box on set pieces. I like Darren Fletcher. I really yeah. do. I, I mean, he's always a super hard worker. It's a good signing. Yeah, it is. It's a very good signing. Um, let's see. So does he have – I'm trying to think back here. When did Mark Hughes leave Manchester United? Did they, their paths ever cross at Old Trafford? Was he like Who? in the youth Darren squad? Fletcher and Mark Hughes? Yeah, I'm thinking like Hughes Guess was on his, on his last leg and Fletcher was Hughes in the youth squad. He was in the early 90s. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, Fletcher is 33, uh, signed a two-year contract. So, yeah, I mean, good good on him. I definitely feel like he still has the capacity to play in the Premier League, that's for sure. And battling, I know he had, you know, what, some stomach issues he had? Yeah, it was like colon. Yeah, something. Uh, so, I mean, good for him that he, you know, he was able to come back and play at the highest level. Uh, one more thing before we go into the Champions League, and that's Yaya Toure signing a one-year extension with Manchester City. What a redemption story there. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of back and forth with Yaya. I mean, as soon as Pep Guardiola took over City, everybody was basically like, okay, well, Yaya is gone because that's what happened at Barcelona. And, um, yeah, after you know being basically shunned from the team, now and I mean a lot of that might have been because what it, what his agent said out in the press, but he forced his way back in and. You but know, he had been like he had been like on his way out of Manchester City for like years, yeah. you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I I mean I would like to know how much he'll actually be making. We'll we'll probably get those figures sooner or later. But I'm wondering if he's not going to go down in salary. Oh, he probably will. I mean, because he, he, he's not the player he once was. We can all agree on that. Yeah, he probably will. You know, because they could look at him and be like, look, you want to play here? You know, uh, this is what we're going to give you. I'm like, no Premier League team is going to give him that much. It's it's like us or China. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it will, be, it will be interesting to see. And I think that it's good to have him. I know you have Gundogan. And that's probably the player who's, you know, assuming he's healthy. He's had so many injury troubles. 
But I mean, that that's the player that can fight with Toure for that, you know, defensive midfielder role at City. So, um, yeah, one more year with Yaya. Congrats. Just make sure to remember his birthday. Yeah. Because otherwise he'll be pissed. And, um, yeah, we still haven't gotten any official word on Ederson yet. If, uh, But latest reports are City are close to get a deal done for Ederson. So we'll get a new new transfer record for a goaltender or a goalkeeper. So, um, yeah, with that, let's head into the Champions League final. How pumped are you for this? Uh, the normal amount of pumped. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, so I like, it's not like I'm not going to watch it, but it's, it's always hard for me to get, to get pumped when it's not my team playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we because got... you, because the thing is like, you never know in a final, whether teams are going to come out and, and play for it or come out and play, you know, a little trepid. Mm. And the champions league is usually a little bit better because it's teams uh, for the most part, that like have been there before or expect to be there. Yes. Uh, as opposed to like when you get like uh, when you get Crystal Palace making it to the FA Cup final, and uh, you know they're you know playing out to lose because you know they're in the final and and they they're scared of losing or in the World Cup final where it's like once every four years and. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, Juventus takes on Real Madrid at the National Stadium in Cardiff. So, um, I'm I sort of don't like the fact that it's so far removed from the regular season. Yeah, I hate it too. It's it's very, it's something that has to. I mean, didn't it used to? It used to be, was it before the FA Cup final or after the FA Cup final? Oh, uh, I would have to go back and look at the finals. Uh, but I don't feel like we used to have this long of a of a lull. Well, it's because they moved it from Wednesday to Saturday. Mm-hmm. So, and that happened in 2010. I think it was always after the FA Cup final. But yeah, because it was the third piece of it was the stage three of the treble. It was just that United had like it was their final three games were over the course of ten days. They played Sunday, Saturday, Wednesday. Yeah. But yeah, the extra week. I mean, the fact that we're into June now, that it's rough. And, you know, last year uh, when, you know, I don't know what, the Euros kicked off like June 10th and the, 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 the Champions League final was like May 28th. But, you know, all the teams were together and Spain was missing half their players because they were all playing in the Champions League final. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is dragging on a little bit, a little bit more now. Yeah, and I mean, even with the upcoming World Cup qualifiers, I feel like it's sort of. Right. A... I mean, it's it's a bit different. I guess Italy is is hampered now, and United are oddly not like releasing Matteo Darmian until like May uh, June fifth or something. I don't know how or why they could do that. Yeah, that that seems pretty. So he's odd. literally just missing a friendly, I guess, because the friendly is technically not on a FIFA match day. They don't have to let him go. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it will be interesting though. Millennial Millennium Stadium, which is the stadium in Cardiff, um, seats seventy four thousand five hundred. So I'm I'm hoping it's going to be a sellout. Should be a sellout. 
uh, it, why wouldn't it be a sellout? I don't know. You don't, think that the, you don't think that the people from Madrid and people from Turin would like would show up? I, I I expect them to. It's just that sometimes with these big finals, and we've seen that in the World Cup, where there's so many sponsorship tickets and stuff, and then you just see pockets of empty seats, and you're like, what happened? So um, it will be interesting, though. One thing that I, you know, this is far out, but next... The next Champions League final will be played in Kiev. Yeah, I saw that. At the That's an interesting one. NSC Stadium. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah. Oh, well. I've been to I've been to Kiev in the winter. Not great. No, luckily it's played in the spring or early summer, so that's a little bit better. Um, but hey, if they can put the Europa League final in Stockholm, then. Why not play the Champions League final in Kiev? I mean, you're literally comparing apples to oranges right there. <laughs> <laughs> literally. Like, yeah, that's true. A respectable city to host the Europa League final. Like, the same way that Manchester ho- hosted it uh, back in, like, 2008. Like, at at uh, the city of Manchester Stadium. Like... Nothing wrong with hosting, with putting nothing in, in stock. Like Kiev could also host the Europa League final. Yeah, yeah, it will be. It will be interesting, though. It will be interesting to find out who the champion of Thursday night is. But now we're trying to find out who the champion of Tuesday and Wednesday is. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think about this one? Juventus, sort of that classical Italian team, very good defensively, but also has a couple of aces up front that can score goals. And then you got Real Madrid that are more. No, 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 no. They have one ace up front that could score goals, and one who is not Gonzalo Higuain, but may as well be. Elaborate. Ah, uh, I mean, I just, I, I, Mandzukic. I feel like he used to be, he used to be the guy you wanted up front, and then it's just like now it's he's like Higuain. You set him up for a shot right up in front, and he'll find a way to miss it. Hmm. Well, yeah, Mansuki. I mean, he's a good target player, uh, or he, right. at least he was. But no, no, I'm thinking about Egoin, of course. Even though he's looked out of shape, he still scores a bunch of goals. And then Paulo Dybala. Right, Dybala scores. Yeah. And, but wait, they have Higuain also. Yes. They have Mansukic and Higuain. Yes, and Dybala. Jeez! Wow, that's so many missed chances. Like right there. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! No wonder they only score one goal a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god! But usually that's all they need, though. Well, yeah, that's yeah. Because they they yeah. have one of the best defenses in in Europe. Look, you can win one nil all you want, but there's nothing wrong with winning three nil also. True. <laughs> yeah, Real Madrid—they're more of a attacking force, of course. Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, scores in bunches. Uh, he's one goal behind Lionel Messi for the golden boot here in the Champions League. So he would like to get two goals in the final, that's for sure. So he can take off his shirt again and he can be like, mm, give me that golden boot. And he wants a trophy, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah, Would if Real wins it, they'll be the first back-to-back champions since uh, ages ago when um, it was AZ Milan that won two in a row. And that was back in 
So um, yeah, that would be uh, that would be quite the feat. I mean, Real Madrid—they're already super successful in this tournament, and um, if they would win their second in a row here, that would definitely. I mean, it's it's hard to talk about dynasties nowadays because you got a lot of you know teams don't you see a lot of player turnover. But as far as like modern dynasty goes, I would I would feel like if they would win, they would win back to back and then make it far next season. You could definitely speak about a modern dynasty. Uh, yeah. I mean, but here's the thing though: like, it's hard for me to say like, "Oh, you're a dynasty," because it's it's not like Real Madrid have been winning their league. No, but they did now. So I mean, that helps. They did this week. They yeah. did this year, but yeah. like they didn't do it last year. No, they. I don't know if they'll do it next year. You know, uh, the room. The the rumor that just won't die uh, is that Gareth Bale is going to leave. Uh, and yeah, why do they hate Gareth Bale? I don't understand. I, I don't think they hate Gareth Bale. This is just Gareth Bale is clearly number one target of Ed Woodward, and. Every summer, he's going to find a way to be like, oh, Gareth Bale, you know, he didn't get two scoops of ice cream at dessert, so he obviously wants out of Real Madrid. Yeah. Madrid. I just, I feel like, like, it's weird to me that Gareth Bale plays every year at Real Madrid, seems totally happy, and every summer there's something going on that it's like, oh, he's not happy, and he could get lured away by Manchester United. Yeah, but it, all, it almost feels like... The and, e- and now the fact that they're pretty much saying, like, oh, he's pretty much gone to United if he doesn't start this game. Like, get out of here, dude. Yeah. You've been injured all year. Yeah. Yeah, he struggled with injuries, so it's not a given that he'll start this game. Um, but, I mean, even if we look back, you know, when David Beckham was at Real Madrid and his end there was also, like, why do you hate Beck so much? Like, I, I didn't understand that whole thing either. And then... The move to the LA Galaxy got you know done, and then he was he was called back into the Real Madrid first team, and he played phenomenally. It was like, okay, well, thank you for screwing this up. Yeah. So God, I don't know what they have against the Brits over in, at Real Madrid. Don't buy them if you don't like them. Don't buy them. Yeah, but that's all they want. They want Del Yali. They want they want everybody. Can't believe they had Michael Owen at one point. That's just and Steve McManaman, but yeah, Michael yes, Owen was Steve McManaman. Yeah, God. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think we'll see any goals in this one, though? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. So if we take a look, like I said, because Juventus aren't going to sit back and like just try not to do anything the way Atletico did. No. Now, if we look at, uh, let's see if I'm going to pull up the team stats here real quick. Please fill in for me here. What, what are you looking for? Just fill time. You, you literally gave me nothing here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. I got it here. Uh, let's see here. So, God, why do they have all this stuff here? Appearances and goals. There we go. Goal scorers. Thank you. So. Gonzalo Higuain, he's the top goal scorer for Juventus. He has 32 goals total in all uh, competitions. Dybala is second with 19, and then you got Mandzukic in third with 10. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be up to those. 
I know that you can get a goal from Pjanic every once in a while. Um, a player that I do, I really like Pjanic. He's been so good for them this season. Um, also, Leonardo Bonucci, he can be uh, a threat on set pieces. Although I think that it's going to be difficult. I mean, Real Madrid, they have some really... I feel like they're really good at defending set pieces. I might be totally off on this, but I feel like they're very good at defending set pieces. They should be. I mean, they're, they're Real Madrid. They're really good. They should be good at this. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that that's the thing too, going forward. I mean, I know, of course, we're going to talk about Cristiano Ronaldo because he takes off his shirt. But you also have Sergio... Well, hopefully, Juventus... Hopefully, Juventus could prevent him from scoring, and hopefully they don't go to penalties where he will bury a penalty, and he will then rip his shirt off. Yeah. But, they, I mean, Sergio Ramos, he has 10 goals this season. I mean, this team just... Well, yeah, it says something that they were missing Gareth Bale the entire year, and they didn't miss him. Yeah. I mean, looking at Real, so you got Ronaldo... He's he sits at forty goals total in all competitions. Then you got Alvaro Morata twenty, Benzema nineteen, and then you got you know two you know sort of quote unquote rotation players in Isco and Hamas, who have eleven goals each. And then you got Sergio Ramos with ten. So this team has goals in them, right? And I mean it's just the fact that you have Isco on the bench. Is and Hamas and Hamas. That's just such a <laughs> such a luxury, such a luxury. So even if they don't start this game off well, they still have a couple of players that they can throw in that can change this game. How do you see it going? I see Real taking it. I really do. Uh, I I think it's gonna be it's gonna be. A, I'm hoping for a really good game. I'm hoping for Juventus to get the first goal. But I, I if I would have to put a scoreline on it. I'm going to say 3-1 Real Madrid. I I mean, this is more with my heart than with my brain. I'm going... Uh, I'm going to pick the upset here. And, yo, Juventus pulls it out 2-1. to one. It's not that big of an upset. You know what the, they were a really good team, you know yeah, I know. You know what the saying is, defense wins championships, except that doesn't exactly work in soccer yeah. because defense will get you to penalties and then, you know, you still got to win it there. Exactly. But, ah, yeah, Real Madrid plus 160, Juventus plus 190. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> under two and a half goals, minus 153, over two and a half goals, plus 125. Yep. Jeez. Can you bet on yeah. if Ronaldo takes off his shirt or not? That's the big question. Uh, the answer is probably, and I'm actually looking through the props right now to find out. <laughs> uh, oh, 18 more bets. Let's look at it. Yeah. Let's get the low down here. Uh, Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo to score any time, regular time. Uh, I mean, that's essentially betting it. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like they're, they have a... They have a good defense. Real Madrid, they have a good de- defense. They don't have a stellar defense. Like, if you're looking at it, you know, Keylor yeah, Na- like, Navas, Navas is, he's had seven clean sheets total in all competitions. Kiko Casilla, six. Oh, man, there's a whole, there's a whole 
list of bets that's just Ronaldo. So like Ronaldo to hit the post, Ronaldo to miss a penalty, Ronaldo to provide an assist, but somehow no shirt. Ah, oh, that's too bad. Oh, Ronaldo yeah. to score more goals than Juventus. Ronaldo to score winning penalty in the shootout. Hmm. Damn. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, so at the end of the day, though, Juventus are a better team going forward uh, than Atletico Madrid are. Oh yeah. And they're very good defensively, so I think they can hand, withstand that Real pressure and and take it. Yeah, I would say Juventus is on par with Atletico Madrid. They might be. Sl- no, I would say they they are on par as far as defense goes. Yeah. Because I mean that that central line with Benucci leading the way there, and then Gigi Buffon between the posts. I mean that's that's so good, so good. And I can understand why the Italian national team is like, ah, come on, just play this game already, so we can get you in. Um, but I'm hoping for a good game. I'm really hoping. I mean, if we get one of those boring scoreless draws and it goes to penalties, ugh. Yeah, that's that's not what I want. No, not at all. Okay, so United States men's national soccer team. We have a couple of really important qualifiers coming up. Uh, but first, a, uh, a little, uh, what do you call it, appetizer? Little crook on bouche? It's that's what we call it. It's actually an appetizer. We played Venezuela Saturday night, which is actually an appetizer for the late Saturday night Saturday night game against Venezuela in the U twenty World mm, Cup. Yes, which is at one fifty a.m. Eastern time. Yeah, I'm not going to watch that. Uh, I will try to watch it, but I will certainly not watch it live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not staying up. I mean, if um, let's say Stella wakes me up in the middle of the night, then I'll turn it on and try to get her back to sleep. Right. I was going to say, if I if I end up out Saturday night and I'm yeah. out late and I'm still up around then, I will yeah. probably put it on. But the odds of me, one, doing that and staying out that late are slim. And two, the odds <laughs> of me not – like, I'll put it on, but I will fall asleep mm-hmm. right in front of the TV. Like, and I'll wake up at 4 in the morning with the TV on on my couch. Yeah. You're at a uh, a club or something, and you're like, "Hey, put the game on." Yeah, like, will, what are you talking about? We don't have any TVs. You're like, "Put the will, game on." Put I will not be on. at a club. That is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, so we got the uh, the game against Venezuela at the. Uh, it's Re- a weird situation. Though. The Rio Tonto Stadium, Tinto, Rio Tinto. Yeah, up in. Uh... Oh, isn't it? It's in Utah, right? Uh, give me one sec to Google where this Rio yeah, Tinto they, Stadium they is. Yeah, Rio, Rio Tinto's in Utah. It is. Yeah, okay. And then they go to Colorado to play the, to play the qualifier. All right, that, that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a weird situation because as of now, nobody's gotten hurt yet. Uh, yes, they have, haven't they? Uh, Timmy Chandler. But like, okay, okay, that doesn't count. Yeah, that doesn't count. It's like... It's of the people that, like, you expect to hear, like, all right, we got into camp. And then it's like, so at this point, you would expect either uh, Fabian Johnson, John Brooks. Um, who's the other one? Quint Dempsey or Bobby Wood. You would expect one of those four to be like, ah, oh, he's withdrawing from the squad because he's injured. Yeah. And that makes it the interesting situation because for the first time in literally ever – 
literally ever, especially since Bobby Wood joined the team, and since like Fabian Johnson and John Brooks became Red Yours, in literally ever, everybody is healthy, and Bruce Arena actually has to pick a first-choice team. Yes. And this is where he can make a statement right now. He can make the statement and say, look, Quint Dempsey, who, let's be honest, over the next three games is more than likely going to become the U.S. all-time leading goal scorer ever. Yes. Uh, right now, the only two people that have more international goals, active players with more international goals than Quint Dempsey are Leo Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, so that's pretty good company that he's in. Um, he's more than likely to score at least two goals in these next three games to get him over there. But, you know, Bruce Arena has the chance to just sit there and go, look, Dempsey scores whenever he, he plays in a U.S. shirt and he's effective. Bobby Wood scores whenever he plays in the U.S. shirt and he's effective. And Josie Altador, I've been using you and, frankly – you weren't effective against Mexico in the last qualifier. You weren't effective against uh, Costa Rica at all. Mm-hmm. You weren't effective in that home game against uh, whoever we played when we whooped the... I, he probably scored in that game, but everybody scored in that game. And then we went to Panama, and you weren't effective in that game. You know, at this point, it, it, Bruce Arena has the chance to be like, hey, uh, I'm going to go with Dempsey and Wood up front because that... And, and really set the tone for going forward. And, it, and you know, Jermaine Jones is injured, so now he has a chance to pair somebody with Michael Bradley and see how that works going forward. It's a big – he's got a real chance to, you know, reshape this team going forward. And then you get the Gold Cup where you can bring in a bunch of other, you know, new players and see if anybody stands out there and plays their way onto the team for the September-October qualifiers, mm-hmm. which typically somebody always does. Yeah. One thing that I'm a little bit confused about is his choice to bring four goalkeepers. Well, that is, um, that was just like we're playing three games, so obviously you know they'll cut the roster down. That's to get Ethan Horvath in the camp. I don't know why Nick Romano is still here as a thing, no. but yeah, I guess get Ethan Horvath in the camp and and play, call him, Nick- play him against Venezuela then. Uh, I don't, like you don't. I mean, he played last year. He played in October. He played against Cuba. He played. I think he played in the other game. He's only, yeah. he's, he's only on one cap. Oh, okay. So he played against Cuba. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I, I mean, at I mean, at point, some at some point, Tim Howard is going to be too old. Right. That's not till after Russia, though. <laughs> Which is why Horvath is here. It's to give him yeah. a chance to be with the team. But yeah, like, what do you need Nick Romano for? Like, Nick Romano has perennially, perennially been the third choice keeper. Yeah. So eventually, you don't need him around anymore. And, or if you want him around because you feel like uh, he, his expertise and his, his veteranship is good for you, just get rid of Brad Guzan because who the hell needs Brad Guzan? Also true. <laughs> I mean, there has to be, besides Horvat, ha- there has to be some goalkeeper that is, you know, at least under the age of 30 that can push for a spot with the national well, team. They have the, they have the MLS guys, but that everybody keeps harping on David Bingham, and uh, there's another one, and I'm just, I sit here going, like, why? Like, oh, cool, like a 27-year-old, like... Whoa, you know, he's not going to be better than Howard. People mm-hmm. like to harp on Howard's age. Goalkeepers play until they're 40. Howard will be fine. Like, he'll be fine through Russia, 
And then after Russia, he's done. Like every and, and it's and trust me, Tim Howard is not going to sit there. Like he's not going to sit there and say, "I really want to try to play for the next four years uh, and go to Qatar." He's not going to do that. And and he's literally going to say, "I'm done with international soccer after Russia." Yeah. So you don't have to worry about that. Like, oh, so this 27 year old now will be 29. It's like, oh, now you want to throw a completely internationally experienced, inexperienced 29 29 year old out there? Like. Why not just throw a 22-year-old out there and let him become the goalkeeper for the next three World Cups? Which is which is why there's Horvath. And then there's that other guy who's currently playing at the U-20 tournament, uh, Jonathan Klinsmann. Okay. His father was a famous German striker named Jürgen. <laughs> yep. Cap tie him. Yeah. Well, if you need to cap tie anybody, cap... Please captive Cameron Carter Vickers, yep. who it's my belief should go to the Gold Cup because that would be the perfect time to do it. Mm-hmm. The issue is the Gold Cup is in July, which is obviously when the preseason is. And it begs the question. I mean, Spurs will be in the United States. Yes. It begs the question, if you're Spurs, do you let him go? Yeah. I would say yes, too, because... Look, at the end of the day, he might be third choice. He might be fourth choice. Until he got injured, he was in the match day squad every game for Spurs this year. But he was never playing. No. And he's never going to play over Vertonghen or Alderweireld. So as much as the Spurs might want to see him run out there in a Tottenham jersey, why? Like, wouldn't he be playing 90 minutes? Spurs are playing, but will be trying harder. At the yes. end of the day, yeah, cup at the end of the day, yeah, the Gold Cup, you have the ability to drop and add three players after the uh, group stage. So, you know, at the end of the day, like, make a compromise with Spurs and say, we'll take him for the group stage and then we'll release him. Mm-hmm. Let him play in those three group games, then you can say, all right, now he's yours for the preseason. We're both going to be in America, so he'll yep. just meet up with you. Okay, so now I'm going to put you in Bruce Arena's shoes. And you're going to pick the starting 11 for not only the Venezuela game, but also the two qualifiers. Oh, that's tough because this Mexico game is a tough one because who do you pair with Bradley? Do you, do you save players? Like, do you, like, maybe take out a couple of your better players after 60 minutes against Trinidad and Tobago? If you're if you're up, say, 2 nothing. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Do you, uh, do you trust Bruce Arena to do that? No. But, like, at the end of the day, like, well, here's why you he won't. Uh, because you're trying to get that altitude training. Mm. So it, it won't. it's better for the players to play 90 minutes at altitude than to play, like, 60, I, I guess. Well, screw the Venezuela game. We don't – it's a friendly, whatever. They're going to change, like, half the team at halftime. Yeah, uh, so – but there are two qualifiers. I go Cameron and Brooks in the middle. Uh, DeAndre Yedlin on the right. I'd probably go with Villafania on the left. I thought he did well the okay. times that he got there. Bradley's obviously going to start in the middle. Yeah. Um, Fabian John. I go Fabian Johnson and, and I guess Pulisic out wide. Mm-hmm. Um. I would give the nod to Kellen Acosta. I really like Kellen Acosta. I would give him the nod. Or maybe, like, maybe you go Darlington Nagby out wide and you let Christian Pulisic kind of play the middle, but like the freedom middle. Okay. Obviously, they won't do that against Mexico. Yeah. But I, you know, 
against Mexico, you probably find a way to get Alejandro Bedoya on the field. Yeah. And then I would go Wood and uh, Dempsey up front. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Altidore, ugh. he feels like too much of a Bruce Arena kind of guy, though. It's just somehow he's the guy. You know? Like... Is he's he just, is like he a he's big... implanted himself as as a player on the team that's like you know just undroppable. Yeah, is it like Fellaini level? <laughs> um, I mean, he scores more. Yeah, but, that, yeah, of course he does. But but yeah, it's it's the same thing. It's just like his presence on the field is usually taking away from someone more talented than him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see here what they can do. I mean, they. Ideally, they would get at least four points out of this. Oh yeah, a win or turn it on Tobago and a draw. That would be that would be fantastic if they yeah. can get four points. Four points. Yep. Okay. Well, with that, we're gonna sign off. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren. Polly's Peak Crystal WFAN. Elliot is Keats was better, and then give Fanrex Sports a follow as well. And we'll catch you in the next one. Until then. Have a good one and go USA. Alrighty. Thank <laughs> you.